When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, well, where have you been all our lives? Uh, I'm not going to complain. I'm just glad you're a part of this now. Geekscape's been around about 15 years, and we've gone through all sorts of growing pains. Sometimes we uh, have all sorts of different shows. Maybe maybe we shouldn't have all sorts of different shows. Maybe we should be a little bit more consistent with the kind of shows we do. Uh, No, we basically do the kind of show I want to do, depending on the week. So... Sometimes we talk movies, video games, and comic book news. Sometimes we do a review. Uh, sometimes I uh, do a one-on-one with my good friend Ian, and we go on a deep dive of like the latest like Marvel or Star Wars shows or movies. Sometimes that's a geekscape. Sometimes like the ones that are going to be coming up here in a few weeks, we're at like a convention. Like we're going to be at San Diego Comic Con. That'll be some geekscapes you're going to get on the feed, and so that'll be like geekscape on location. Let's call it geekscape on location. And then some Geekscapes, a lot of Geekscapes actually, like the one we're going to have right now is just me and a filmmaker or an actor or creative. Maybe they're writers, maybe they work in comics, maybe they work in video games, and we just do a one-on-one. So this episode is me and my good friend, Brett Levner. Brett and I went to grad school together and she is making her next uh, her, she's making her next feature film. It's called Right and Bloom. And uh, we're going to talk all about it. We're going to talk about her past films. We're going to be like, hey, why have the Geekscapes not heard of you? And if they haven't, um, they should. And hopefully Geekscape will remedy that whole thing. I got to tell you, speaking of remedies, it finally happened. Jonathan caught COVID. That's right. I'm coming out of COVID right now. So if you hear anything in my voice, it's a little bit. That's because I'm coming out of COVID. Uh, Last night wasn't too bad. The night before was kind of rough. And then two nights ago, three nights ago was like pretty bad. Uh, But that being said, I'm coming out of it now. Uh, It's a little icky. Uh, Feels like I'm pretty stopped up. Uh, And if you are watching the stream of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the last episode of Geekscape, we did a stream, Ian and I talking Obi-Wan Kenobi. You can hear it here on the podcast. Uh, The podcast, I did a pretty good job of cleaning up the sniffles. But on the stream, you can definitely tell Jonathan's kind of going over that COVID cliff. And a few hours after we recorded that live Obi-Wan Kenobi episode, (laughs) yeah, it hit me, you know pretty hard thank thank goodness for those vaccines and that booster because uh three days later and i feel like i'm at the end of it i'll be back to infecting people this weekend just kidding i still got to quarantine a couple days so i i I had to cancel my bachelor weekend doesn't that stink yeah i had to cancel my bachelor weekend it was supposed to be last weekend nope Ian, Ian Kerner, I think, got mad at me, too, because I was like, Ian, when are we going to do Obi-Wan Kenobi? He's like, well, I got to renegotiate things with Stephanie because we were supposed to be doing her bachelor weekend. So I, so she went and made other plans. But now I'm asking for her time back. And then, like, how, how, how much time do you need to take from me, Jonathan? I, I already put a bunch of time away for the bachelor stuff, and then that didn't happen. And now you're asking me to do this Obi-Wan Kenobi special. So just uh, let's make it worth his while and 
if you finish the Obi-Wan Kenobi show on Disney Plus, go back and listen to the episode that just hit the feed. Ian, it's a, you know, it took a little bit of wrangling to get him to that episode after I had him reserve an entire weekend from my bachelor party that didn't even happen because I was coming down with COVID. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and hopefully enjoy it. Share it with a friend. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by our good friends at NordVPN. NordVPN.com slash Geekscape is where you're going to go. They're going to hook you up with all sorts of awesome threat protection and one month free of NordVPN. They got all sorts of cool deals for you just for being a Geekscape listener. So put in Geekscape as a little coupon code on your checkout, and NordVPN is going to hook you up. I remember when I went to Crimea, is it in Ukraine or is it Russia? I don't know. I didn't know then. But in 2019, I went to Crimea. I was invited to do some comedy there. And I knew I wasn't going to go without a trusty VPN to keep me out of Putin's claws. And I used NordVPN. So it's really cool that they came back as a Geekscape sponsor for this month. And uh, I would like for you to reward them by going to nordvpn.com slash Geekscape and telling them Jonathan sent you and you'd like your deals. There's a a free 30 back uh, money back guarantee. Uh, three, uh, a free, oh, Jonathan, let's say that three times fast. <whistles> Show's live, baby. A free 30 day money back guarantee if you're not happy. All right. Before I totally blow it, let's go ahead and start the show. All right, Geekscapists, it's time to do some Geekscape. Um, my good friend Brett Levner is the guest on the show. Uh, her last movie, The Track, I saw at Dance of the Films a few years ago. Um, and we can talk about that movie. She shot it in Las Vegas where she moved. Uh, we went to grad school together in New York. And then she's made a couple feature films since. Her next one is called Riot and Bloom. She's funding it right now on Indiegogo, putting it together. And she kind of has a unique approach to putting this film together. She's using a lot of her UNLV uh, students and those resources to, to make a feature film. And it's not a student film. Brett is a very, very capable professional filmmaker. Uh, she also, you know, she's like Indiana Jones. You know, how Indiana Jones goes around the globe and like um, steals artifacts. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. He steals artifacts uh, for museums and stuff. And then he goes and he plays professor. Well, that's like Brett. Brett goes and like makes like feature independent films. And then she comes back and she plays professor. So uh, she's like Indiana Jones. Let's just call her like a filmmaking Indiana Jones. Here she is. My good friend, Brett Levner, who I went to grad school with. Hi, that was an excellent introduction. I'm saving that forever. <laughs> You're good. I, this is so funny because I heard your voice for the first time in a while. And it was like, it brought me back to um, screenwriting class at Columbia. You sound exactly the same. It's fun to reconnect because you feel like no time has passed whenever I, you know, run into friends from grad school. I don't know, Brett. I don't recall Jonathan in 2001 and two having COVID. He didn't sound <laughs> like true. this. 
making yeah. it sound like COVID, Jonathan. He same smart ass remarks, same stupid stuff and blank stare, but he didn't have the COVID. <laughs> uh, I too yeah. just got over it too, so I understand exactly what you're talking about. But um it, it reminds me, did you ever see the movie Broadcast News? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do you remember when Albert Brooks like has this like sweat attack when he goes on camera? I think all the flop sweats. Well, for me, whenever I am recorded live, I start to like clear my throat incessantly like a tick. So if that happens, I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Listen, the Geeks Gabe has put up with so much worse with me. Okay. So, Good. No, Good. They're like, man, you're going to come off like a professional. Is this your first podcast? Brian? It's my that- first podcast. I've never been on a podcast. I Like your intro blew me away. I feel like this is too high a level for me to start out at. I'm nervous, but I hope that I'll go with it. You've been around white guys, though, before, right? (laughs) Yeah. How how is this your first podcast? I'm like weird. I've kind of, like, I like people who like NPR and like are liberal and listen to podcasts, but I don't really do it myself. I'm kind of old Mm -hmm. school um, TV. It, It was hard for me even to adjust to streaming, to be honest. I'm weird that way. I'm old school that way. Well, Brent, you and I haven't seen each other a lot since grad school. I I did go to see your film play. That was very nice. You showed up. And you showed up and surprised us, and that was really awesome. Wait, do do, do a lot of people not show up? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> really? It was like, like, like it was a nice. It was a really nice gesture, especially like I feel like the people from film school are like your family in a way. Like. You may not see them all the time, but when you do, it's just like you've had this connection, especially since we went to uh, grad school during 9-11. I think that kind of brought us all together. That happened like a week within us getting there. We were all excited. We're we're like wide-eyed. We're going to make films in New York. We're going to run in the streets and shoot our films. And we're in New York a week before 9-11. I was still like on my futon, but they hadn't sent the frame yet it was just the futon couch or the futon cushion you know the frame hadn't arrived and i remember still like kind of like laying on my stomach on the on that sofa part Mm -hmm. the cushion and i was on aol instant messenger (laughs) with my friend tommy tommy fad (laughs) and you in austin wishing him a a birthday which i'll never forget that 9 11 is his birthday Mm. and and he said hey man what the hell just happened in new york and uh and i checked the news sites and sure enough, like everything started slowing down. The dial-up internet started slowing down, and then before you know it, sirens just shooting down Broadway next to our, our place in New York. And we'll never forget. Remember wandering around campus that day? It was heavy. I didn't go to campus because I was living at home. Luckily, I was one of those people. My parents. I lived with my father. Had an apartment in Manhattan, so I didn't have to pay for room and board. Oh, wow! But I remember he was like, "Don't go downtown. Just stay here." So I wandered outside. I was up on 82nd Street. But I could the smell in the air. You could smell the burning, uh, yeah. and then you could just. I went to the water. I looked down, and everyone was kind of just coming out and kind of gathering and just kind of like in shock. But I do remember for some reason you going down or hearing about how you went downtown with your camera, and you took some footage or something. I can, that's what I remember. Yeah. I it, I had this high eight camera. <laughs> That we used to shoot a bunch of stuff. I or no, I had a GL one, a mini DV Canon GL one, mm-hmm. and I remember making my way down to like the Southern Battery, or at least in Brooklyn, and shooting the Southern Battery. And you just saw like tons of smoke billowing out of the bottom of 
now, it, now you know what with as much of a shit show as the u.s has become recently like that's just another tuesday it seems like like i hate to be insensitive but like yeah damn like i was thinking about this literally yesterday these are the kind of dumb thoughts that go through my head uh i was thinking about the supreme court decisions for the last right. week which are, are those are kind of brutal um and i was thinking back to like these narrow misses and like how our country has been taken over by this minority, this, mm-hmm. this religious minority and how we're turning into like a Taliban. Right. And I was, it, 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 people are like, this is Geekscape. Can we just talk about Star Trek? Yes. Star Trek, Stranger <laughs> Worlds is excellent. And I, I loved this week's episode and I watched all 13, all 10 episodes of Umbrella Academy season three. And it was, I love it <laughs> anyway. Uh, that, that's your update. But uh, I was thinking like how we got here and like when the last sense of having innocence and like all that was and honestly uh, it obviously ended at 9-11 in, in a lot of senses and then we started having like wars on metaphor like mm-hmm. wars on concepts like here we go we have a war on terror now for the next 20 years um but I, but I, I think it was i think our pinnacle because a lot of people have been critical of the United States recently. I think our critic, our, our pinnacle as the United States of America, you know what? It was uh, Blink-182's Enema of the State. <laughs> that was when Blink-182's yeah. Enema of the State came out, yeah. that was the pinnacle of of the United States. Like the high, the high point. Not yeah, high. I think, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, and it sounds weird, but... Uh, Enema of the State came out in 1999 that was summer. It? 1999? And okay. Yeah, and everybody was cool. We were still listening to Barbie Girl. We hadn't really gone totally into rap rock yet. You're right. We were Stuff still innocent. Everything was still pure. Yeah. And then and then it all kind of went downhill. Was it maybe because of Enema of the State? Did Blink 182's Enema of the State cause the American downfall? <laughs> it was a big enema. Yeah, let out a lot of. No, <laughs> I don't know. Liter- literal uh, enema. But maybe that's why I like to follow Travis recently and all his. Uh, well, he was just in the hospital. Um, he I was. You saw that Travis from Blink One Eight Two. Travis Barker, yeah, yeah, but he's okay. But um, we interviewed him a few months after that. Really? Uh, yeah. So I did a radio show in in college, mm-hmm. in, in undergrad. Which here, hi, welcome to this. Why Geekscape's Geekscape? And so, uh, oh, Jason Elliott in Houston says it was pancreatitis. Wow. Uh, well, Travis, yes, get, I'm glad he's okay. Well. Uh, so we used to be on the radio in Philly, and we interviewed Blink 182, and we dressed up as Mexican, as like Mexican wrestlers. We dressed up as luchadors for the <laughs> interview, and we were backstage at the Electric Factory in Philly, and. Uh, we meet Blink-22 and they're like, oh, we're, hey, we're going to set up some equipment and the Blink guys are going to be ushered into the room to do the interview. And uh, we get into luchador outfits and Mark and uh, Tom and Travis come in and they take one look at us in wrestling outfits ready to do an interview. And Travis is like, yeah, you guys got this one. <laughs> I'm going I'm to sit this one out. <laughs> That interview somewhere with Mark and Tom. I, I'm sure Kevin has it, but uh, yeah, Travis dipped on that one. He's like, I'm not, no, whatever the hell this is. I don't want any part of it. <laughs> it scared him, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't really remember too much of grad school. I don't think I was that present in grad school, which may be uh, indicative of my lack of a present 
film career. Well, what? You, um, but like, <laughs> shut up. You left, yeah. or, like you like graduated, like, you know, like how you could, our school was two years, but you could stay on and continue mm-hmm. as it. But I felt like you left to went. you had always wanted to go back to LA. I felt that that was your like, I don't know. I know you're not from LA, but you had a connection to LA that kind of drew you. And I, I'm, you know, born and raised in New York. I never really had that. I did eventually move out there uh, for a little bit, but um, so I don't know if that was what drew, you know, what you were talking about, kind of like being pulled out there versus uh, at, at Columbia. Yeah. It, I, I, I knew I was, I was going to end up in LA. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends from undergrad had ended up there. I was dating somebody who grew up there. I, mm-hmm. I was, I mean, the weekend after we finished those necessary classes, I was, I was out. Yeah. I was in the U-Haul. I was out. Um, are Brett, you, why are you yeah, in? What? Sorry. I like to talk about you, asking, Jonathan. Should I interview you? No, no, no. <laughs> that's the last thing the geeks gave us want is to hear more Jonathan stories. <laughs> Which, I mean, how did you end up in Vegas? That's what I want to oh, know. Okay. It's a long story. I didn't, I didn't know story. you were in Vegas until Steve Soul's wedding. Steve Soul's wedding was the first time I was like, oh. You're in Vegas. That was a good moment for me. That was a pivotal moment for me. So that was your enemy of the state. Yes, that's where the shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> out. Okay. Um, okay. So after, so I went. You know, I went to grad school. Um, but I first start. I went to undergrad too, as in film in New York, um, and worked in production for three years. I worked at MTV uh, after undergrad. As uh, I was a. First, I was an intern, and then I was a PA at um, MTV in their docs department. There used to be a part of a – there was new, MTV News and Docs back in the day. This is like 95, 94, 95. And um, I was like right down the hall from John Norris and Kurt Loder, and I was in a little cubicle. And I just ran around and did um, – oh, I have some stories. But, you know, like I had to get Snoop Dogg pot. He was the only celebrity allowed to smoke pot in the TRL studio um you know <laughs> that was like a rule yeah there i did all these little weird um errands and uh, you know went on worked on some different shows like um one of the series called diary i got to follow around katie holmes got to follow around jessica beale uh and ryan reynolds um anyway that was like three years before i ended up going deciding you know what i really want to study um directing fiction like i want to go back to work with actors because that's what i really loved so I applied to grad school and got in. So three years after undergrad, I went, you know, we went to Columbia and that's 2001 and uh, was there for two years. And I liked the experience because for me, I was sort of like an introverted, shy person that needed time to develop. And I wasn't, while I had worked for three years in the, in the industry and in production, I needed, I didn't really know what my voice was and I needed more time, I think, and that provided me that. And it was for me a great experience. But after grad school, um, and I hung out there for a few years after uh, my dad passed away, like he had gotten sick and it had caused me to postpone doing my thesis film and everything. So it, so when you guys graduated, like our class, I, I couldn't graduate. I kind of postponed it a year. And, uh, but I, then I did and actually did a thesis film about the experience of taking care of my dad. And it was actually really good and cathartic. And I don't regret that. I'm glad I had that year off to take care, you know, be with him. But um, it kind of pushed me into a relationship with my first husband, who we'll just call him Sam. That's not his real name, but with Sam. Mm-hmm. And um, did, did I know Sam? I think you knew him. He worked. Yeah. We met yeah. working at the yeah. equipment room at uh, our grad school. 
Yeah, and I I uh, did you not like Sam? Sam had a bad reputation, kind of. I was neither here nor there on Sam. Mm. Sam, I think I've I think I've shared a Sam story on the podcast. What? Well, I remember Sam's eight to twelve. Do you remember the eight to twelve? I don't even know it. No. Well, you know the eight to twelve. Yeah, After yeah. our first year at school, we had to do it. Yeah. We, we had to. Well, nobody. Well, I did. This is why. Everybody had to do an 8 to 12. After the first year of film school, Geekscapists, we had to spend the summer after our first year classes doing an 8 to 12 minute film. And somebody had to write yours, and then you, then somebody else had to produce yours, and then you as the third party had to direct them. And then you all in turn had to write one and produce one for two other students, but, you know, round robin type of thing. And when you presented, the first years would sit in on your eight to 12. So going into your second year, you had a bunch of people going into their first year who had just oh, gotten no. to Columbia. I know what's going to happen. Eight to <laughs> and I sat in on Sam's eight to 12. Uh-huh. And it was clear that Sam had thrown out the script to the eight to 12 and right. probably shot whatever the hell he wanted over the weekend or week prior. And it was pretty rando experimental stuff. And mm-hmm we sat through it and it was like, and it was not eight to 12. It was hard. 20, <laughs> it was hard. 20, 22 minutes. It, it, it was, it was, it was pretty random. And, um, and I, I don't, I'm neither here nor there on Samuel, but I do remember uh, being a little taken aback after sitting through 20, 22 minutes of uh, visual and audio assault in this yeah. thing. And I, I think, I think Sam would admit that it was assaulting as well. <laughs> Uh, it just felt like pulling a student film out of your ass, right? Pompous, uh, pompous. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, you're not my words. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, I remember the teachers being like, "What?" basically saying in the nicest language possible, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> they tried to pull That's anything out of it. After and we they, got married. They, they, yeah. they, they tried to be like, hey, like, what was that? What was that? What was the motivation for this? And the defense across the board was, well, y'all just didn't get it. <laughs> right. Y'all, y'all just didn't get it. And it was just like, what the? F-? No, dude, you literally took a camera, pulled this out of your ass in the last week and a half when you had all summer to do this with actual collaborators. Right. And we just sat through it. So my rule now as a teacher myself yeah. is if a student does that, the whole class has to sit through it. Like just good. Like if you, if you bring in a project that didn't do the work and you like the class has to sit through it and you have to, you have to weather the slings and arrows that come with it, you know? And that's what I remember the most about our friend, Sam. And then seeing him again at Steve soul's wedding and knowing that y'all were married. Cause I did not know that you and Sam had gotten married. Yeah. The person known as Sam. What had happened was like, kind of like, you know, we're a younger, you know, whatever it, it, it wasn't the right partnership. It wasn't the right pairing. We ended up getting divorced. Um, we didn't belong together, but it was like happening at a time when I was going through this, like, you know, situation with my dad passing and maybe, you know, my only child, I didn't really have that support system. And he should have just been a boyfriend that ran its course, but it kind of ended up in becoming something sure. else. Um, but it was actually a lesson, um, you know, going through that divorce. And that happened now eight years ago was like one of the heaviest times of my life, even like with losing my father, this was like going through a divorce was like heavy. And you start questioning yourself and like, 
who you are and like comparing yourself. And I really went through a dark period. And that's how I decided um, I wasn't ready then. But now that I've had some distance, I want to make this film called Riot and Bloom because it's addressing divorce and that like you can survive it. And like, especially specifically for a woman, like what you go through the process uh, and finding yourself again. Um, so that's sort of kind of, uh, but anyway, during the course of being married to Sam, we ended up moving to LA, giving that a shot, which I didn't like cause I can't drive basically. I'm from New York, born and raised. I draw, I'm a horrible driver. I remember like taking the GPS and just avoiding the highways. So I would take like the two hour route to go somewhere on the, on the side streets cause I was too scared to get on the highway. Merging freaked me out. I just didn't fit in in LA. It wasn't my thing. So we moved up to uh, Burke, uh, the Bay Area um, in San Francisco for about a few years. Um, and that's where I discovered teaching. I ended up taking like a part-time, like a summer class just for pay the bills in between uh, shooting reality television. Um, <clears throat> so I had, saw there was like this like uh, class teach editing. I think it was Final Cut just for the summer. I was like, okay, cool. If I do that, then I don't have to travel. Because at the time I was working on a reality show called Bridezilla's. And I was like okay. a field producer. And so I would go with these brides and just film them. And, you know, just, just it was chaos. And, uh, and Brett, yeah. personally, are you just in hell at this point? <laughs> well, on the Bridezilla's? Okay, listen. No, well, oh. you're like, it's a part of you saying, like, this is after your father's died. <laughs> yeah. You're, yes. you're, you're, I mean, because remember, at, at Steve's wedding, I wasn't with the person I'm with now either. Right. I was married at that wedding too. Like when we were at Steve's wedding, you and I were both in different relationships. That's married. true. Yes. Uh, so, so when you say that this film is about divorce, it, this and how difficult that was, it resonates with me. Um, so, I imagine your father's just died. You don't find, you know, you move to LA with Samuel. You then <laughs> move to the Bay Area with Samuel, uh, and now you're like a couple years removed from film school and you're an incredible filmmaker. And we knew that in filmmaker Aww. in film school. Remember when you kicked my pants out uh, up and down the street what? on the Coca-Cola filmmaker. Oh, Remember please. when you did that? Please. Remember when we, when we met Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, but that you're the one that won. Awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. I forget. I, I was too shy to go. Okay. So me and uh, Jonathan were both um, Coca-Cola. What's it called? Coca-Cola. Uh, refreshing filmmaker contest was for uh, film students. And uh, we both got selected from a big group to make our films. Like only, I think there was five of us and we each got like five grand. There were 10. Oh, there was 10 of us. Okay. There, yeah. There were 10 of us. Yeah. And it was like, and out of Columbia, it was you and me, Seth, Michael Donsky. Oh yeah. Who, I haven't talked to him in a while. And then there was one Susie. undergrad kid. Susie, I thought. And Susie Unessi. Yeah. And then there, and so Columbia kicked ass out of the 10 true. kids in the country who got to direct those Coca-Cola things. And you, Geekscapers, you know what we're talking about. You ever been, I think Sprite, I think the Sprite brand is in charge of it now. Whenever you go to the movies, maybe like AMC or something, it, there'll be a short film before the movie that is kind of heavy on the Sprite stuff or on the Coca-Cola stuff. And it usually takes place in a movie theater or something involving movies. And you'll have a filmmaker be like, Hey, I'm so-and-so, and this is my Coca-Cola refreshing film. And you have to sit through like this 
40, 50 second little film before your movie starts. And it's basically just a glorified like ad for Coke or for Sprite. Uh, well, yeah, there, there was a contest and it was 10, pe- 10 people, 10 teams. Jim Pugnarelli was my producer. Steve Soul yes. was yours. And you had to pitch like storyboards and shot lists and all that stuff. And then they pick one out of the 10. They pick 10, which is already kick-ass. They bring it to LA because it was in, it was in conjunction with Project Greenlight, yes. that Matt, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck show. Yes. Uh, we got to like hang out with Matt and Ben. But I was too shy to even like approach them. I was frozen with Are you fear. Serious? I was frozen. And you're the one with, who won. I couldn't. It was like out too, of all ten of us. It was too real. Out of ten filmmakers <laughs> from across the country, your film was the one that was actually shown in theaters. I was frozen. It was too. And, yeah. Oh, I walked right up to. to See, to but you always had. I walked right up to Pet and Matt. I was like, <laughs> put her there. I'm like, put her there, partner. <laughs> Nucci like Gucci's or whatever. You. you always have been <laughs> that I'm an uh, idiot. No, you're self confident and you're extroverted and you're and I it's always been the opposite. But I've I think I've come around and I'm more. Uh, it took me some time, but I think I'm there now. So yeah. So that whole that whole thing where we met with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, you didn't even talk to them. Oh no, like I think I I've always felt like not good enough. That's something that I've. I think a lot of artists fight with, you know, self-confidence or self-insecurities. And then you use your art, you use your films to kind of um, deal or tackle with those things. Um, but I think I just, to be honest with you, my twenties were like awful. I think twenties and thirties suck because you're always comparing yourself to everyone. At least I was comparing yourself to everyone else. Like, you know, like, what is everyone else doing? What am I doing? Versus I think now that I'm in my forties, I'm like, okay, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I'm doing what makes me happy. So I've kind of found my own world. I'm in Vegas. Who the hell would even, people are like, why the hell are you moving to Vegas? It worked. It, it, I like really actually like it. It took me some time. You know, at first I was like, eh, I'll just stay here a year or two. But uh, cause I got a job at the university to teach, but I ended up in here 10 years and I like really love it. And I just found a thing that works for me. It doesn't work. wouldn't be for everybody. But for me, I enjoy it. Well, talk to me about Vegas because you're in San Francisco. You're chasing Bradzillas around for this <laughs> reality show. And then was it because of Sam that you moved to Vegas or because you got a job at UNLV? Or what was the story of moving into Vegas? So after grad school, through these moves to L.A. and San Francisco, I was like paying my bills, the student loans, which are tremendous after going to grad school. Uh, by doing reality television. So like I said, Bryzilla's, but I also somehow found a niche working as a female field producer shooter on homicide detective shows. Don't ask why. Crime shows, like literal, real, like I followed around homicide detectives for this film show on A&E called uh, The First 48. So I've been, yeah. so I was embedded with them. I would live in, a, they put you up in an apartment with like corporate housing and they give you a murder phone and um you'd be on call 24 7 and it was like two producers in each city so it's multiple cities i was in tucson for the most part and uh, which didn't have that many murders which is kind of cool so like we'd have maybe a couple murders a month while some other people were in detroit and they're working multiple murders a day so most of the time i would go to the movies but i had to have the thing with me at all times and like believe it or not the first the funniest thing well it's sort of funny but the first um crime scene i went to the guy who i was actually um there's two of us so he was like the i was the rookie and he had been done done it for a long time and he was going to show me the 
the ropes. He was from Columbia. Matt Watts, maybe, Mm -hmm. I think is his name. He was going to show me the ropes. So we get the first night. He says, okay, if there's a a, uh, call, they're going to call me, and then I'll call you, and then we'll drive together to the crime scene. I said, okay. So, and these are real crimes, obviously. Like, they're murders. It's a docu-series. Wow. Yes, it's okay. real. How the hell? I had to sign this liability form. I'm like, whatever. I got to pay my student bills. I, I do what I'll, I'll do what I'll have to do. We had to wear bulletproof vests sometimes. But, okay, going back to the first crime scene. I go to sleep the first night. I get a call. And it's not Matt. It's the dispatcher telling me the address for the murder. And I was like, what the fuck? So I go and down the hall, he lives at the different apartment down the hall. And I knock on the door. I'm like, they called me and he's totally drunk. And he's like, I can't go. I didn't think there'd be a murder tonight because I got wasted. You're going to have to go by yourself. And I'm like, this is, what? A first murder? this is a first murder. So I'm like, what? I'm like a green rookie. So I take my little camera, my, my bag of my backpack, and they give you a rental car. And I take the GPS. I'm driving into like, this is actually in Cincinnati, to like a rough part of Cincinnati. And then I see on the street, there was the crime tape. And the police cars were lined up. And I had my badge because I had met and checked in with the detectives earlier. So I get out of the car, I park, and they let me in because I have my badge. And I see the detectives, the homicide detectives across the way near the body. And as I'm walking, I'm kicking something because it's pitch black. It's like three in the morning. That's the witching hour when actually they'd have the most murders. And what the fuck am I kicking? I'm kicking the, the shell casings to the crime scene because they hadn't put the little numbers down yet. And I couldn't see what I was doing. The detective's like, you effing idiot from New York. Go back to New York. We don't need you. Screaming at me. Anyway, it took me like it took me weeks to re-earn their trust. I had to bring them donuts. And they do like donuts. The cops will tell you, oh, I don't like donuts. You can bring them donuts, though. I won them over with that. And, uh, you know, there was, there was scenes where I was slipping in blood. I mean, there was funny parts, but there was also kind of really sad parts. And I felt like eventually the whole thing felt exploitative to me. And I was like, I couldn't handle it. I'm like, I'm filming people. I feel like we're taking advantage of people, but also I didn't want to be filming people being their, their kid, you know, their child's being killed and you got to notify next of kin. And we had, we're told to film and I was just like, this isn't for me. I, and I felt bad. It was I, I tried to be that, but I couldn't be that. So you're also yeah. destroying evidence while you're there. Exactly. Like, you're also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it wasn't a good idea, probably, to have us there. U- ultimately, the show got um, sued, not with one of my episodes, but they got sued because someone um, was accidentally a little girl got killed during the filming of a uh, when they were trying to seek out one of the uh, suspects. It, they put a they put a smog. I don't know what those called the thing that create a fog so they can go in the yeah. detectives and sh- and find them uh, the suspect and a little girl got killed by accident and they said it was most likely that they were the detectives were acting in a way that was for the television show not how they would normally act so they're actually a case um, and I actually um, I didn't get subpoenaed or anything but I did get called by like the morning news one day saying hey we we googled and we have you listed as a uh, the first 48 camera operator, do you want to be on the news with us? And I was like, no, that's all right. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, wow. it was a disaster. I don't know if it was a disaster. It, it, there was elements of it that were a good show, but there was no way to 100% not be exploitative of the people. And it made me feel 
I felt bad. I didn't want to do that anymore. So that's how I kind of got into teaching. And that brought you to Vegas. Yeah. So <laughs> and I got Vegas in... just offered you full time or what? Yeah. So I got into teaching in San Francisco. I got my first teaching, um, just a class. And I'm like, holy shit, this is great. I love teaching. Because I got to show clips of like my favorite movies. And like, I'm like, and you get paid to sit in a room. You don't have to wear a bullpoop vest and like be hiding behind a car. <laughs> um, to ruin evidence this is of more me. Scene. Yeah. This is more me. My speed. I got to tell you, Brett, Rainy Valley on Twitch says, you know what? A decade of knowing Brett. This is the first time <laughs> I've ever heard this. <laughs> yeah, that is actually my collaborator on uh, the film Riot and Bloom. She's uh, the screenwriter with me. So, <laughs> well, wait, wait, Let's get to that. Uh, so you, we can go back to the whole Vegas of it all. Um, yeah. But the movie that you're on here talking about is your third feature film your second feature well film? i say it's my my second because the first one i'm not embarrassed about but the first one so when we were in grad school and we showed the coke when i the coke thing showed in the theater um, a woman from atlanta just a, a regular woman um who is not a filmmaker um contacted me and said that she had written a script and she wanted to oh hire boy. me to be the director and come to atlanta and shoot it and her they were putting her in her husband we were to put up the funding and would I like to come and do that? Cause she said she saw the film, the Coke spot. And she really, really enjoyed it. And I was only in grad school and I was like, what? And she's going to pay me. I'm like, hell yeah. So me and Ashley Patterson, who was my roommate, you know, we, I said, but could you get my friend Ashley a job? And Ashley's like, what should I do? I'm like, what do you do? What do you want to do? She's like, I'll do this. I guess I could be the script supervisor. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'm going to bring my friend needs to be the script supervisor just in case these people are crazy. And so me and her went to Atlanta for like a month and a half. And then we shot this film that um, this woman, Emily Carpenter, wrote and starred in. And it starred Sean Patrick Flannery. And so I got to work with him, which was really cool, from like Boondock Saints. But it's definitely, I had no control. I was just basically pointing the camera, I, like she had written it, she had a, a vision, and it really wasn't in tune with my vision, you know. So I don't know if that was really, that was a great experience from just an exercise, but I don't think it was, you know, personal or authentically mine. So I don't know if that was really my film. But my two films. You didn't get murdered. That's a win. Yes. When somebody finds you <laughs> off the internet and is like, hey, I was sitting in a movie theater and I saw your 50 second Coke spot. Do you want to come to Atlanta and be in my movie? Like, <laughs> you're about to get, like, you could end ended up in Get Out or something like that. Yeah. Or, like, yes. What the hell? And well, I like how you got, I love Ashley Patterson, but why didn't you invite, like, somebody bigger like Sean Mullen or Ed McGinty that we went to school with who actually had, like, if shit go, if sh- yeah, if shit goes down, you at least want somebody bigger. Like, you're well, going to get yourself murdered, Brett. No, they were nice, but the, they were um, – okay, so then it led to a second film with them that actually – this is sort of funny. So they kind of had a religious – it was sort of like a Christian film-ish. Uh, okay. But so the second – they wanted to make a second film, and me and Ashley went to go work on that as well. And that one starred Stephen Baldwin. And then he tried to convert me. Once he found out I was Jewish, he totally like – he pushed me into a corner and was trying to convert me because he's a you know he's a born-again uh, Christian. Stephen Baldwin from uh, Firefly? Is that him? Yeah. Or it, 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 uh, like – yeah, he, he was in – he was in um, – yeah, he was in the Joss Whedon show. Yeah, the dad, Firefly. the dad, yeah. No, or, no. or I mean, he's not He's not one of the Baldwin brothers. Yes, he is. Yes. Oh, he is? One oh, then the I'm thinking Baldwin of a different Baldwin. Brothers. 
the, the oh boy. Hil- Hillary's or whatever, you know. Yeah, okay. Be- so he Bieber's corners you. Dad. Yeah. Okay. Stephen Baldwin is a born again Christian. He married a nice, uh, I guess, Brazilian woman, converted him. So he comes to this movie because this movie has a born again Christian theme. And, and you're going to direct this one too? Yes. But it fell apart because it also starred Dixie Carter, if you remember her from De- Designing Women. We were there for one week. Me, I was going to direct it. Ashley was going to script supervise, and there was a whole crew. It was, you know, a big budget, not big budget, but big indie, independent budget. In, uh, like a million? A couple yes, hundred thousand? a million. At least I was okay. in between, the, I would say around a million. But then this is the okay. thing. This is the kicker. They put us up. They were going to pay us. It was SAG. Everything looked nice. We were in Tennessee in the Smoky Mountains. We had uh, cabins, and the, there were bears outside at night. I used to, anyway, within one week, um, the whole thing fell apart because the producer, who they met in church, ran off with all the money. He also had sex with the underage, <laughs> like one of the underage interns or something, and it was a disaster. The whole thing fell apart. So um, that never happened, but I do have like a couple, a little pieces of the clips from it. Um, yeah, so that happened too. <laughs> That's insane. I have stories I could tell you. You have no idea. Yeah, I remember the whole thing just fell apart because this guy who was going to be the producer who had the money, um, who they met in church, you know, and they were like, you know, they would speak tongues and they put their hands on me and pray over me before I would direct a scene and stuff. <laughs> I swear. Oh, my God. So, okay. So you then make the track. And <laughs> I remember that one. The track was good. It had Stephen. Am- you guys remember uh, who was in that one? I almost Sam said Stephen. Trammell, Am- Sam, Trammell Sam Trammell from, from uh, True Blood. Uh, True Blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. and then and then let's talk about this one. This is why you're here, okay. uh, Geese <laughs> Brett's got this new movie, Right in Bloom, and my goodness, Brett, we're just catching <laughs> up. And I mean, this might be a very abusive podcast for the Geese because we're just basically using it as a catch-up. But uh, ultimately, we want you to ch- go to Indiegogo.com and check out Riot in Bloom. It's uh, Brett's new movie that they're fundraising, and Brett's collaborating with a lot of her students and ex-students from UNLV and uh, putting this film together. Uh, it, you know what? I got to tell you, this one's going to be good. Your screenwriter, Rowdy, is in the comments. She's awesome. Uh, and I'm excited about this movie. You posted it to Facebook in within, I think, moments. I was excited in sharing this thing and inviting you on the podcast because, Brett, I've been a fan of yours and a friend of yours for 20 years, and I'm so excited that you're making a movie that has this attitude to it. It feels like this punk rock kind of cool thing and i know the basis for the movie because i remember how your marriage with sam went <laughs> and how that ended and so when i read the i read the synopsis for the movie i was like oh shit brett's done making a movie about what she went through uh can you talk about that at all like yeah. your relationship with sam ended and you're yeah. divorced yeah like okay. eight, so eight years ago i came out here for a teaching job and he came with me because uh his job had run its course and we, made, we came out to Vegas, and I said, oh, I'm, I, guess I got this uh, full-time teaching position at the university out here, UNLV. Maybe I'll stay a couple of years and get my feet wet, and then like maybe go back to California, go back to New York. But um, in the interim, probably a couple of years in, um, on my 40th birthday, which is where the movie takes starts, um, and this is based on reality, my ex-husband and me, Sam, go to dinner and he tells me over dinner on my 40th birthday that he's been having an affair. So um, 
right then it wasn't funny, but now I looking back, I can, you know, it works. I think it's funny. Now I had, I've had the distance and the therapy and I said, and I knew in my head, Brett, one day you're going to make a movie about this. Uh, kind of like I was sort of, uh, influenced by Nora Ephron, uh, Heartburn, her movie Heartburn, when she told the story of her divorce. Um, and I kind of loved that and the realness of it. But it took me many years to get here. That included like the dating, like all my bad dating stories. Like I included that in this film. Um, you know, you know, I actually even at one point I was during the divorce, I like I'm Jewish, but I decided, like, I was trying to find God. I was trying to find sense. I didn't know anyone else my age. I was in my 30s that was divorced. I didn't know anyone else. I felt, like, alone and, like, a loser. I was like, what did I do wrong? Everyone's having kids and all this stuff. So my therapist said, go to this uh, church. And a lot of people find, you know, they, it helps them. So I went to this big mega church seeking the answers. And to be honest, I did like it because it kind of was like I could be anonymous. And so I would just like cry and, and no one would notice because it was in the dark. And uh, they'd have really cool like Christian rock and everything. And some good, uh, the pastor was kind of inspiring. So one day, somehow I was convinced to become baptized. And they had this giant pools, like inflatable pools that would be outside the church. And they were like, anyone who wants to be saved, because I thought I did something wrong that I was getting divorced. <laughs> inflatable pools like from Walmart, like a slip and slide? No, like big, like giant. There were like at least 2,000 people in this church every week. Like this was a huge mega church. And then he would do this thing. The pastor is like, come on down if you want to find God and find yourself. And I don't know. I just said, okay, I want to do it because I want a second chance. I must have done something wrong to have to be going through the divorce. I mean, in retrospect, it was silly. But then I just felt so lost that I actually went into this. We went outside, like the whole, like there's like 40, 50 of us who are deciding to be baptized that day. And we went outside and there's all these pools lined up with people who worked for the church with the name of the church around the pools. And I went over and got in and they dumped me. And I think they say that in the name of Jesus Christ or something. And then I'm soaking wet and you get like a t-shirt that says I'm saved. So I leave there with my I'm saved t-shirt soaking wet. And I'm like, okay, maybe this something good was going to happen. The next day I got a goddamn ear infection and I'm like, there's my, um, you know, that, there you go. I should never have done that. So back to, I went back to my Jewish roots after that, but yeah. Brett, that's insane. That's in the script. That's in the script. It's in that's the amazing. <laughs> so, so, so talk to me about this film. Um, you started writing it with, with a co-writer or you gave the story to Rudy and said, Hey Rudy, go for it, knock, knock it out. What was kind of the process of you not writing the script yourself? Cause I, I mean, I think with the track, which was based on one of your films, your shorter films, like you didn't write that script either. You, you, Matt, Matt wrote that script. Right. Like, why I, don't you, why I, don't you write the scripts? I'm not a writer. I feel like I'm, I'm, I went to school for directing. I'm more comfortable doing that. I'm not a writer. I hate being at the computer. It, it's not, it's like, it's like a nightmare for me. Um, so, yeah, the way I collaborated with Matt McHugh on the track is similar how I collaborated with Rudy Burman, who was actually a former student who then went to the master's, got her MFA in, in dramatic writing. And we just always were friends because we're the same age. 
And uh, she went through a divorce as well. And we would always kind of like talk about that experience. And we wanted to make something together and write something together. So I think we created the story together, the outline together, but she did the writing. And she's, you know, that's her expertise. And then hopefully I can bring my directing uh, skill set uh, to it. But I did share a lot of my own personal experiences um, in it. And you're collaborating a lot in the uh, making of this movie with your former students or from people there in Vegas. Like, talk to me because my partner, uh, my my producer and I are talking to people who are now talking about shooting in Vegas and how Vegas is kind of becoming a place to film. And you seem to be doing all right out in Vegas is your second movie that you'll be shooting in Vegas. But it seems like you're finding some collaborators out there. These former students or these people, a little mix of both. What What are you finding out there? To be honest with you, you know, I'm from New York, so I've shot in New York and I've shot in California. And the coolest thing about Vegas is that it's not a tiny city. It's two million people, but it's not a big city. So they're not jaded. Uh, A lot of the, um, you know, businesses, they're cool with letting you film for free in exchange for publicity. They want to help out. They want to be involved. They're not annoyed. You know what I'm saying? And there is a small community here that is amazing that like people help each other in a way that I couldn't even believe my eyes. I'm like, when I first moved here, I, I saw it. Like I got it. Like, you know, someone who knows someone knows someone and you help each other out in this community because it's so small and because everyone knows everyone. Um, it's getting bigger. Um, and a lot of it are students. So my students, this is actually going to be shot as part of a class next semester with my producer, Mei Mei Luong, who's also an alum, who's now a local producer. Um, and we're going to do it as a class, me and her together. And, um, we're going to shoot, uh, during the class and the students are going to work on the, as the crew, but we will also have professionals. So alums who are now professionals kind of like heading departments. So we have a great DP who's an alum who's now works professionally, uh, in Vegas. Uh, he will be heading, he'll DP it, but I'll have students underneath him, uh, learning and working. Um, our editor is a faculty member in our department And then he'll actually teach this as a class in the spring and we'll have students cutting it in the spring under his guidance. So it's like this like mixture of, you know, it's a teaching experience, but it's also a movie. And it's really fun to be honest. It's like, it's not for everyone, but for me, I kind of found this, this way of making films that works, you know, mixing the teaching in with the actual creating and being artistic and uh, collaborating. And um, it works for me and I enjoy it. Well, how let, let's talk a little bit about what we got what we got to do to get this movie up and going. I mean, clearly you're using a lot of the resources there at school, which is smart. I'm not going to say exploitative. It's smart. <laughs> yes. And uh, and you know the students are going to be stoked. Like I have I have college film students. They all want to collaborate with you. Um, they're all excited about your projects and hearing what's going on and this and that. I I love my students, um, but you actually. I don't like collaborating with them until after I graduate uh, until after they graduate. And, you know, cause I don't know what's, I don't know. It, 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 I, I don't want to feel influenced to give them a good grade, <laughs> but yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. But, he, but, he, but here you, you're, you're working with your students and uh, I mean, what happens if they suck? Do they get a bad grade or do they get fired? I think, you know, what usually happens and I've done this multiple times, not, with, For real? with a feature i've done it with like oh, with we, we've done short docs a lot of short docs. okay um and what happened usually for clients, local clients, like we just did one that was really cool for um the the law school we did a piece on a community that was um 
the it's a historic African American community that's been around since the 50s, and it's starting to it's been sinking to subsidence, and the their houses are cracking apart, and the city of North Las Vegas isn't doing anything to help them. You're talking about literally the it is sinking into the ground. It's something out here that ha- I think it happens in California too, but because we have like faults and because of the the soil. Um, there's things that, that when it was built, they didn't do certain tests they should have done because they didn't have access to it. But usually if it was, you know, a more, uh, affluent, yes, neighborhood, they would have fixed them, but because, um, it's not, they taken advantage of these residents. And so the law school had been approached by a local Nevada Senator, Dina Neal to do something. And they said, let's make a documentary, a short doc and see if that could help influence influence change. So my students wow. in my class, we made this doc and, you know, some, there's a couple that fall, you know, underwhelm you, but I got to say the majority did kind of rise to the occasion, especially because I find when you give them a situation like this, where it's like, there, it's an actual project that's going to be seen. There's like, there's a, are you working for a client? It causes them to rise to the occasion because, you know, it, it, it gets under their skin and they're like, oh God, this is real. So for me, it's like, it kind of works out, but you know, sometimes you have to supplement if something falls, you know, and be it. So that's why I always kind of give multiple people a position. So like if, you know, one of them falls they can out. cover for each other. Yeah. And if it's successful, maybe some lady will see it in the theater and invite them to Atlanta to get yelled at by Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> exactly. Look, at, know, the, look like... at the potential. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about the Indiegogo. With, with the re- what I'm saying is with the resources that you're getting from students, from school, I mean, clearly you got to pay for things like food. you got to pay for wardrobe and art and this and that. Is, is this a period piece too? Does this week take no, place? it's not a okay, period piece. A lot of the influences feel like the grunge era. Totally. It's a 90s re- – like we references the 90s because the main character, Rose, who's 40 um, and goes through his divorce – she like is so lost and her therapist is like, you need to reconnect with a time that you were happier. So she reconnects with that time in the nineties when she worked at, you know, at college in a coffee shop and she loved the music and she was a grunge rock girl. And it inspires her by dressing that way again, listening to the music again, taking a job at a local dive coffee shop, which is now nineties nostalgia. Um, it reconnects her with that time period. And then she starts writing again and creating again. Um, so that's kind of where the 90s, while it's not a period piece, the 90s influence is there. And we actually, there's a local um, coffee shop that just opened here that we're hoping to use that has all 90s nostalgia. It has like a, like, like a Kirk Cobain signed one of the benches. They're from Seattle and they just opened here. So, um, but ultimately, yes, I'm going to put some of my mon- own money into this. We're going to use resources at the school. We're going to use all their equipment. We're going to use some of the locations at school. But what we really just need money for is I want to, I would like to pay our actors, um, you know, feed everybody production insurance um, if we have to do some locations. But again, this is super low budget uh, for a film, for a feature film. You know, uh, we did it before for the track. Similarly, we did uh some of the fund rates. So this is not the full budget, but it's probably a, would be a third of the budget that we need to raise on Indiegogo if we can is our goal. And so Geekscape is one place to go is go to Indiegogo and search 
Riot in Bloom. Riot, like, you know, punk rock. You're going to go Riot. Uh, Riot in Bloom. And then uh, Riot in Bloom on Instagram as well. That's the that's the handle on Instagram is Riot in Bloom. Um, what are some of these incentives? I'm kind of scrolling the uh, page and looking at some of the incentives. Uh, you know, Geekscape is for like 10 bucks. You can help the film out. Um, and you can also spend 20, 50. What are some of the things that you get? You, you're just sending money, right? Like you're, you don't yeah. get like a copy no, you, of the film, well, right? You, get, um, you can get like, we'll name a character after you. Uh, if you want to come, we have a visit to the set. We're offering a free filmmaking class with any member of the crew that you like. Uh, we're offering, if you want to be an extra in the film, uh, things like that, where you get to collaborate. Or you, if you want to come to the premiere uh, for the higher perks, uh, and they're all named after grunge rock bands. But they're really kind of, you know, if you want to be, and if you don't want any of those things, you just want to, uh, you know, donate, please do that as well. But um, <laughs> there are ways to get involved, I guess, with the project. And um, so for people who maybe are interested in film and want to get kind of their eyes opened and be part of it, they can. Um, Heidi Cox, uh, do we know Heidi? Yeah, we know Heidi. Heidi's in the comments, and she goes, "I get reality vibe, uh, reality yes! bites vibes on this one." Heidi gets yeah. me. That's totally one of the influences that I gave uh, to our students, and to the logo. The, the logo was created with that in mind. That's like one of my favorite films. I love, like the Ethan Hawke, Winona Ryder love story. Uh, totally, yes, Heidi. Thank you for mentioning that. That as well as Singles is another film that I just loved from the '90s. I got to tell you, Brett, uh, somebody brought this up on Twitter because um, Ben Stiller directed Reality Bites and they were bringing up the the Ben Stiller directing career trajectory because then obviously he does like Cable Guy and then um, he does uh, Tropic Thunder and I'm skipping a few uh, Zoolanders in there before Tropic Thunder. But now what you see some of the stuff that he's doing for like HBO with Severance. Yes, the, the directing is phenomenal. Totally. So Ben Stiller starts with like reality bites <laughs> and ends up with like severance. And he's just turned himself into like a really gutsy. I, mean, I think every choice he's made as a director, including stuff like cable guys, pretty bold and, and strange. Cause like cable guy could, I think people were, were mad that it wasn't just a Jim Carrey comedy at the time. So it bombed, it was dark. but it was actually like, yeah, yeah it was super dark. Um, I like that. Yeah, he evolves, so, like that people can evolve um empire records absolutely i love the soundtracks of all these films sorry geeks gave us who are listening to this and are like what is happening uh heidi kept commenting in the uh in the comments and uh it sounds like she and brett are uh we connect are, yeah y'all y'all know each other okay so geeks gave us you got a couple of missions in front of you the first is just go to instagram and look up riot in bloom and and subscribe to their Instagram, but really you can donate really any amount of money to the Indiegogo and Indiegogo is not one of those things where you have to hit the goal or you get nothing, right? Like whatever you donate that you get, right? We'll take whatever we we raise and we're going to make the film regardless, but we're, you know, we put a budget there. uh, We're, we're aspiring for, but if we don't hit it, we're still going to make the film. And that's the whole thing about indie filmmaking. We're trying to teach our students, you know, if you got to rewrite it to make it cheaper, you're going to find a way to do that. And uh, that's what we plan to do. So Geekscape is you're going to go to uh, Indiegogo and you're going to search for um, Riot and Bloom. That's what you're going to do. And then uh, throw, throw some, some bucks Brett's way. I mean, listen, we don't, she's fallen on hard times earlier in her life. We don't want her, we don't want her going back to like the freaking 
water world of like the church evangelical stuff. That was insane. That's like Splash Mountain of freaking evangelicals. Like, yeah. you got a t-shirt? Hey, do you still have the t-shirt? I think I do. I, I if you still have the t-shirt, yeah. this we we have to let um, we have to let the Baldwin dude know <laughs> that you ended up. Yeah, you should Good. you should just take a picture in the t-shirt and say, "Hey, uh, I was saying- whatever Baldwin brother you are, <laughs> I ended up I ended up taking your advice. Right. It changed my life. Do you want to come be in our movie, Riot and Bloom? I know. There's a no. Do you. not. I think we're good on that yeah. one. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that, Brett. Uh, it's been amazing catching up. I think we got some incredible stories out of it. And Geekscapists, yes. what do y'all think of Brett? I'm sure y'all enjoy the stories. The stories are insane. <laughs> Your stories are insane. And we, you know what, Brett? I don't like Vegas. It, I, you know what? <laughs> but I don't like, think you know Vegas. I like to show I you. I think that's the truth. That, I, I didn't know that, Vegas either. It, There's hiking. So at the, at the end of the story, I didn't end up meeting a nice, uh, a nice new person uh, who I got married to three years ago, um, my, my, my current husband. And everything is turned out right in the end. So I see the whole point of going through the divorce. I met someone who is like way more compatible with me, but he has taught me about Vegas. He's from here. So he loves hiking, oh. camping, kayaking, and he's ex- exposed all that to me. And so if you guys come out here, I'll show you that part of Vegas. And I think you'll enjoy it. The last time we were there was for a Star Trek convention. Heidi was uh, attending. And uh, that was a fun way to go to Vegas is hang out in a hotel and just have a bunch of Trekkies walking around. And I also liked, <laughs> you know, I do like the outdoors in Vegas and uh, running and, and stuff like that. Yes. It's beautiful. Um but the party stuff is kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a little exhausting. I stay away from – we don't even go to the Strip. Like I realize real lo- Vegas, uh, Las Vegas people don't go to the Strip. We have our own little um, communities. Um, you know, there's a lot of things also culturally that are growing. A lot of Californians are coming in here, unfortunately, because then our housing prices are rising, you know, since oh, no. people could re- work from home. So we're getting a lot of that. We're a blue state, so we're very liberal, which is cool. <laughs> And, you know, no one knew about Vegas, and I didn't either. I'm like, it's just the Strip. But honestly, it looks like it looks like a California suburb. You know, most of it. We're in Henderson, which is the suburbs out here, and uh, there's a downtown that's starting to grow. I, I'm actually also part of the Nevada Women's Film Festival. We just had that last weekend, and it was really fun. Um, so there's like, a, so that's growing, and um, culturally things are growing, and it's very diverse here too, which is nice. So that helps. Okay. Well, we're going to take you up on the offer. We'll, we'll go out to Vegas and hang out with you yes. guys. Uh, and I love this catch up. Uh, I think I agree with Rudy, your writer here. And she says, Brett rules. <laughs> so, Thanks, Rudy. Uh, uh, Brett, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, and Geekscape is go check out Indie, uh, go, go and go find Riot and Bloom and donate whatever you can. Cause we got to see this movie made the way Brett wants to make it. Um, love you so much, Brett. Um, Geekscape is, if you want to hang out with us, all you got to do is find Geekscape on any of the social media, uh, you got or on Facebook or on Instagram. We're on, I think some of us are on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're on all of it. And then of course, subscribe to any of the Geekscape shows on any podcatcher you got. We got filmmaking podcast we got wrestling podcast we got horror podcast we got video game podcast we got comedy podcast we got all sorts of podcasts on the geekscape network search for geekscape uh and you should have something that scratches the itch if this is your first geekscape podcast uh as always share us with your friends subscribe 
And when you do, go to that little podcatcher you're listening to us on and leave us a five-star review. That really helps out our visibility. We've got tons of guests coming up in the next few weeks that I've been uh, scheduling. So I'm really excited to talk to more people like Brett about filmmaking or video games or acting or writing or comic books. So strap yourselves in, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.